0: Welcome to Jiu Jitsu Heaven. We're right here doing our new show. Don't you worry, you silly ho. Put your ears on. Listen to what Cordler has to say. If you do, then you'll have a really good day. Just Jiu Jitsu Podcast. Wow. I like that? That was something. Yeah, I paid. Uh, I paid Randy Newman uh to to write that for us. The guy from uh You Got a Friend in Me. And he oh,
1: made wow. Yeah. We we invested get- that kind of money into that song and that's all we got.
0: Yeah, well, he said he said I can write you a song and that will be $20,000. I can perform it and that'll be 100,000. I said, "Listen, I got the performance. I like I don't need you, I don't need you for that. I just need your your expertise to create something." So he did that.
1: So we dropped twenty twenty thousand on that. Damn.
0: Yeah. Now we have to pay it off within two weeks. So I figure we just okay. split it down the middle. And
1: <laughs> sure, I like that. Right. Those those executive decisions were discussed. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to take initiative.
1: I guess so. Better better forgiveness and permission, right?
0: That's right. All right. Well, you know what? Today we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna spend. gonna do a weird thing and spend most of this podcast talking about jujitsu uh last week (laughs) we we had some uh some people point out the fact that our podcast is called just jujitsu and as our good friend brian johnson uh, mentioned on facebook we spent about 20 to 25 minutes talking about a hawk story and (laughs)
1: It was more like closer to, it felt closer to 40, 45 minutes out of a 50-minute show.
0: <laughs> no, I think it was only 30, like 35 minutes, so it, but it felt like 45 minutes out of like a 35-minute show. Yeah, it did. <laughs> well, so this episode, Now, I'm not saying people didn't learn a lot from that Hawk story. I'm sure they
1: did. I'm sure they did.
0: Yeah, a lot of people. I think it was an allegory for the the average person's journey through jujitsu is is what I was trying to do there. Uh, okay. But today, today we're gonna we're gonna just spend some time on a singular topic, and that topic is mount. Okay. Now we want to say maybe episode fifty six in in the high fifties, low sixties. We did an episode on I think control and like being like maintaining control so it was kind of there's a little bit of overlap but this one i wanted to focus specifically on mount and when i was thinking about doing this topic the reason i thought about let's do this topic is i i haven't even thought about doing one on mount because i I think it's easily overlooked because it's something that's so dominant it's like oh well what do i have to know about mount like once i'm on mount (laughs) I've, i've got the world is my my oyster, I can do anything I want when I'm in mount. Mount isn't the end game. There's a lot more to do once you get to that point. Actually, I saw this Gracie Baja article, and they had they had their their three keys to mount. And I was curious, was curious on your thoughts to to what well, basically how they broke it down. They had the first priority is maintaining position. Second. Attack the collar or neck to get their arms up and allow you to get a higher mount position. And then three, they said, have a good arm arm lock slash choke combo attack. What are your thoughts on that? That formula for a good basic mount game.
1: When when I teach mount, I I, I break it down a little bit more. You know, I I talk about the the idea of how the opponent is going to escape because um, usually. What happens, and this is very common in lower belts, in whites and blues, and sometimes even in purple belts, um, they, you know, let's say that they, it's the first time that they've achieved mount on somebody that's their level or higher, right? Um, for whatever reason, and I think it's a very common thing, um, for whatever reason, whenever the the lower rank or the beginner or the, the less experienced person, finally does mount, you know, somebody who is their level, or somebody who challenges them, or um somebody who is just better than they are. They they just managed to get to mount. Um they tend to panic a little bit. Even though they're in 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 the second most dominant position in jiu jitsu, they 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 panic because they've never been there. And they feel like, hey, I have this great opportunity to do some damage. Finally. But I know that this opportunity is very, very small because my opponent is good and they're going to escape. So usually, what happens is when people that are lower belts mount, they they end up going into this frenzy of attacks because they don't think that they can maintain the mount. And mm-hmm. and what happens there is when you when you go into this frenzy and you are just throwing out attacks you tend to cut corners. You tend to get a little bit sloppy. You tend to um, just try to yank an arm or go for a choke. That's not there because you feel like, Hey, this is my one shot to to, to do this. And, and then what happens is if you're finding somebody who is better than you and you finally get to a good dominant position, that would be like the equivalent of like, you know, blowing your wad. Like you get there and, and you just throw something stupid and, and, and hope it works and Instead of controlling, you see that the appropriate approach would be to get to mount. It's a dominant position. Act like you're dominant and start controlling the opponent and then dictating how you want to submit them. Most people are just trying to get something before they lose the position. That's the mentality, you know, and that's not a healthy, healthy one.
0: So you are, that first point that they made was kind of spot on in that maintaining the position and almost to add to that it would be like maintain the position and just keep like a cool head like be like like relax take a minute get there and just see
1: yeah and 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 yes we're we're getting to essentially the same point um i do like i said i i focus more on how the opponent is going to escape you know there's only a few ways out of mount and overarching ways, right? There's only, you know, four, four styles of getting out of mount and and there's a number of variations for each style, but, but realistically there's only four styles. So as long as you know what they are, you can start eliminating their ability to escape with, with a few grips, a few positionings and a couple of key angles, you know, I teach to, to achieve those first. So once, once we achieve the necessary grips to eliminate most of their escape, or their escape routes, um, then it becomes a matter of how to attack, which is, I think, where they said, you know, secure the neck to bring the arms up. Um, I don't think it's quite that simple because it would imply that you absolutely need to attack their neck in order to get their arms to come up. And, and that's not true, um, although it does hold true quite often. Um, it's just not always true, um,
0: which would make sense if you're looking for just like, like, hey, here's your basic mount improvements. Sure. This is right. an easy thing. Do this. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fairly one on one combo, you
1: know, attack method. Um, but anyways, the the big problem. With that transition of controlling to initiating some sort of threat, whether it's a collar grip, an arm, whatever the case may be, is that um, people more often than not can't really or are not taught to do it well, and that is to maintain control while you set up the attack, you know. So a lot of people feel like if you put the hooks right in, in mount and you're crushing the opponent, well, as soon as you tell them to attack, the first thing that comes off is the hooks. So then, like you're losing your control in order to attack, and that inherently creates weaknesses in your mount attacks. So um,
0: you mentioned you mentioned a minute ago there are four types about four types of basic escapes what are those four types
1: so you have you have escapes where you're doing a, a traditional trap and roll style where you, you're essentially trapping the limb hugging the opponent whatever the case may be and rolling to one side or the other over your shoulder bridging essentially you can shrimp out and those are the the two most common ones but then you can get into uh bump pushes where you do hip pushes and you create space between your opponent and your hips and then you can go really really old school and start talking about like escaping out of underneath the bottom like going under the legs and stuff um a lot of people don't do that anymore because it's outdated and and it's and, and quite honest a little bit archaic in that you're escaping in the worst possible way out of mount.
0: Yeah. This seems really dangerous.
1: Yeah. You know, but it's one of those things where like, um, like if you, if you, if you teach it to little kids, they're super successful, you know, um, it's a horrible way to go, but it works really well for, for little kids, you know,
0: is it really only used if you have someone who's in a very high mount position
1: yeah, like if they start going into like technical mounts and things like that, um or S mounts, you can pummel underneath the legs and kind of come out through the bottom because there's usually a little bit of a space there, a little bit of a gap there. Um it, like I said, it doesn't usually work at the highest levels and it's not something I would recommend anyone to do. Um but if you if you teach it to kids or white belts and blue belts, um at times they can be successful.
0: Are you said it doesn't work at the high levels? Are there are there any examples? Can you think of, like, do you sometimes see a high-level guy do something like that, or is it just it's not even attempted at that level?
1: Um, no, you do see it from time to time, and, and when they do do it, they tend to be successful. Um, it, but it's very situational. It, it depends on how the technical mana is set up, how the, how the attacks are going, you know, what limbs are available. Um, but but it's, just, it's just not common. It's not something you see every day.
0: Now, if we're looking at the, if you brought up the four different, the four standard escapes people use. If we look at the first one, which was the, uh, was it the, you say the bump and roll? Or the bump and yeah. uh, like yeah, the trap one, the trap arm? And roll.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What is that? Uh, what's the best way for people to, to counter something like that? And I guess before we say how to counter it, if anyone's not exactly sure, what we're saying is the person bumps, they raise their hip up, that causes the person in mount to then fall uh, forward or towards their head and place their arms down on the mat as support, and then that person on bottom wraps one of those arms and then rolls to that to that side of the trapped arm and then ends up in guard.
1: Right. Um, or any variant of it, right? Um, well, bumping, when the opponent bumps to, to, to a trap and roll and things like that, um, there, there's a few things you can do to stop it. First is head control. If your opponent can't look at the direction he's trying to bump, he won't be able to roll you that direction. So let's say you're trying to roll to your right, and I make sure that you're looking left. You'll, you'll never bump right it just won't work
0: and what's your primary method of controlling their head
1: um it can be anything really truly can be anything um when i teach the white belts i teach them to like get a cross face Uh, but the reality is it can be a collar grip as long as you stop their ability to turn their head it could be you could you could even sometimes i even just put my hand next to their head on the ground and i make sure that they can't turn their head and they won't be able to bump the other way to stop like a, a simple trap and roll would be like to to put the hooks from out and then, you know, drive your hips through the opponent that way that they're, they can't bump and essentially your hips are attached to theirs. And if they try to go anywhere, there just isn't any space and it's hard to move.
0: Hooks are a good way to attach yourself, but do hooks kind of prevent you from attacking? Are hooks just a way of saying like, all right, slow stuff down, like put a pause on you what's can't.
1: happening i think that's how most people see it but but there are ways of attacking with your hooks on they're not you know the ways i would do it but they are it is possible but generally speaking um it is more of a way to, to slow slow them down so you can get better grips and you can get better forms of control to where you're a little a little bit more mobile you know mm-hmm. um and then and then you know if you, if you can just keep in mind those two things you can stop people from bumping and and trapping and rolling and, and doing things like that um, so so if we go back to what we we're talking about before the breakdown um you know so if we teach people to control the mount, but there isn't a method to get to the point where we can threaten our opponents without exposing ourselves to an escape that that's where the problem in mountain lies, you know? So if I told you, Hey, Andrew, here's how you're going to control the opponent. So they can't escape. You're like, great. And I'm like, here's how you're going to attack. And you're like, well, how do I get there? Well, just do it. And then and you try to do it and there's this huge gap in control to where now when you, every time you try to do the attack, the opponent isn't escaping during the control phase or during the setup phase they're escaping during the transition between those two phases um and i think that's a really really common problem amount which is why it leads people to when they first get there and they're rolling somebody that's better to rush because they're trying to to cover that gap you know and i think that's where uh, instructors um like lack a little bit is in teaching them how to cover that gap without exposure what i would do is i would teach them to control i would teach them to you know achieve a secondary form of control so let's say let's say i mount you and you're going to be bumping and trying to escape and doing all these things I'm gonna put the hooks, I'm gonna crush my crush your hips with my hips, and then I'm going, once I do that, I've achieved control, like you can't move too well, um, or at least it's very limited movement, and then I will get a cross collar grip. Now, I'm not getting the cross collar grip to submit, I'm getting the cross collar grip to achieve control. Once I get a cross collar grip, I can manipulate your head so that you can only bump in one direction. And if I know this, i can be ready for it right if i know mm-hmm. that you can only look to your left you're only going to bump to your left therefore i don't have to worry about you ever bumping to the right because it's just physically impossible for you which makes your escape pattern from this point forward very predictable does that make sense it does yeah and 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 what that does for me then is i i can now move forward from that simple grip into achieving other other grips and releasing some of the control i had before because you're now predictable and i can make and i can take advantage of your predictable reactions from that point forward and then that'll set up that'll lead to more control you know whether it's a sleeve grip uh hip movement an angle change and then i can set up more and more attacks to the point where i'm getting into comboing positions and i can just launch a myriad of attacks and you you don't have much of a reaction that's outside of my control
0: now that position you just described it sounds like a very like a very dominant controlling position where you have your hooks you have your cross face um or your uh, cross collar grip then but to then move in transition to your submissions, most of them will then involve you releasing those hooks. Right. And then.
1: Correct. Correct. So if we, if we say I have my hooks and my right hand is a cross collar grip, that inherently implies that you can only bump to your left side and you can only shrimp to your left side. So if I know this, I know that any movement that you do, that is going to be any sort of threat to me is going to be either a bump or a shrimp to your left side. Um, And then I have my left hand free, right? I'm not choking you. My left hand is not doing anything. So if you bump to your left, my left hand becomes a post, right? That way I don't fall. And if you try to, to shrimp out and and like do like an elbow escape or something along those lines. That's when my left hand that's already going to be on the floor to stop me from being bumped will serve as a post for me to transition to, let's say like a technical mount or something like that. I mean, in this particular example, anyways, and then once you get to technical mount, uh, shrimping becomes almost impossible. Bumping is going to be non-existent and you, I, I will still have a cross collar grip potentially with arm exposure from you too and it just makes makes life more complicated now.
0: One thing that I've noticed with getting hooks in from that position is if it's someone who's larger than me it I I feel like I'm not as stable because I'll get the hooks and I can try to keep their hips down and like straighten out and put my hips down to keep their hips on the mat but they still can usually they can bump from side to side and that means i have to have my arms out from side to side to catch and like kind of stabilize as they they buck to one side or the other so that keeps me usually if i have my hooks in for being able to utilize my hands in other ways do you see what i'm saying
1: yeah but i think i think you're uh, you're looking at the dilemma wrong right you're looking at If I put the hooks and they bump side to side, I'm going to fall. Therefore, I need to catch myself. Fair. And I'm proposing that you look at it as if you have a cross-collar grip, they can only bump to one side. Therefore, you can only fall to one side. And then it just becomes a matter of how can you bridge that gap so that you don't fall. Um, Well, you'll still have a free hand, right? And that free hand can serve as a post. So then all of a sudden, instead of using your hands to simply stay you can use your hands to advance and not have any exposed weaknesses
0: as you're doing these different things you have uh you can get your grips in i'm sorry you can get your hooks in then if you transition to standard just mount position what other key factors once you get to that state if you say i'm going to be battling from mount right now what things are you doing to stabilize yourself from that position if you're not utilizing hooks
1: well I'm a huge proponent in the gi, I'm a huge proponent of cross-collar grips from mount because they create a a very 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 predictable pattern of behaviors by your opponent that you can take advantage of from wrist locks to arm bars to chokes to um, how they can escape to everything like you can essentially dictate the entire movement from that point forward Um,
0: you're you're talking a lot about you're emphasizing a cross collar grip so yeah will you will you explain Yeah, yeah will you explain how exactly you're using that here where you get your cross collar grip and you're using basically your forearm to do what
1: so 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 that's that's where the misconception wise i'm actually not using my form so um a lot of people when they say oh you know get a cross collar grip and use it to control your opponent's head they they get the grip and they they immediately smash their form across their jaw and their face and try to pin their head to the ground but but the reality is and, and i'm sure you felt it rolling with me like you can achieve a cross collar grip and then you can essentially do a wrist curl and transfer your weight to your wrist to where you're you can deliver huge amounts of pressure to the person's neck. And while the pressure itself doesn't really do anything, right? I mean, you're not going to choke somebody out with just wrist pressure on their neck. It is painful enough and uncomfortable enough that it causes them to react to it, whether it's to turn on their side, to pull the wrist down, to bump. And in that little do they know they're already reacting, to the system right where it's a that pattern of behavior that's very predictable um well, along those lines with that wrist pressure on their neck it still prevents their ability to turn their head to the side of the, of the grip which means that they cannot bump to that side they're they're, they're escaping their escape routes are all going to be left-sided or, or right-sided depending on which side my grip is on Controlling the head is huge. I mean in no gi I would tell you to cross face. I would tell you to hug the head, use your shoulder to cross face their to cross face them to where they can't turn their head and then you're you're essentially in the same spot in nogi.
0: We got the cross collar grip, then if we hop back to we're in mount, you're utilizing cross collar grip and then what else are we doing? then
1: at that point we're looking to transition into attacking right once you once you've achieved lower body control with your hooks then upper body control and you transferred you transitioned to now a more top control heavy you know uh, upper body top control heavy then you can start looking to attack from there and yeah what
0: about what about uh before we're attacking what are you doing with your lower body once you're you've moved to that position
1: so so right so once i get the 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 cross collar grip or the the upper body control uh, what is my lower body doing well the the answer to that really is it it depends um it depends on Um, how I want to attack, you know, if I'm going to do an iron bar, my, uh, lower body is going to be positioned slightly different than if I'm looking to do, let's say like a rolling triangle, you know, if I'm doing all plata, it's going to look a little bit different than if I want to do a Kimura. So, um, my lower body has to account in in a way that benefits my pattern of attack and now what my pattern of attack is, it depends on the on the opponent and what they're giving me.
0: You said it depends on what they're giving you. That would that would bring us to another point of when you're in top mount, causing your opponent, making them uncomfortable, doing things that cause them to react in a way that gives you stuff. What kind of stuff are you you doing to make them like give well, let's use the back to the Baja recommendations. They had the three and the third one was they said have a choke arm lock arm lock combo you don't have to have that but i think what they're getting at is maybe similar to what you're saying and there have some type of choke arm lock but to me that means have some type of like way to bait to initiate some response that allows you to respond to then respond with a, a proportionate effective submission absolutely
1: i mean the armbar cross collar choke is a super common super super common fundamental combo attack you know to defend an arm bar you got to pull your arms in You pull your arms in you're susceptible for a choke therefore you end up getting into this vicious cycle of if my arms are in i'm getting choked if i extend my arms to defend the choke i'm getting iron barred um absolutely that's that's 100 fair um you know and 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 i think it's just they and it's not that it's wrong, I just don't think it was on their article, but I also didn't read the article, so maybe it's your fault. Um, maybe, they, <laughs> maybe they explained it a little bit um, on how they're bridging those gaps. You know, you can't just say, okay, so you're going to get control, you're going to, uh, you know, threaten the neck, and then you're going to throw this combo. Like, it's not that simple. I think there needs to be a lot of, uh, of grip recycling, a lot of positions that are covered correctly that are, I think there should be, you know, I think it needs to be better explained so that we can actually see, so that there aren't any rushes, you know what I mean? Like uh, more often than not, I will see blue belts uh, that come in and, and they have really good submissions, but they don't know how to, how quite to get there. Or they get really good control, but they don't know how to get to the setup. Or they have really great setup, but the transition between the setup and the submission is very sloppy. I think while they broke it down into three pieces, control, setup, and attack, it needs to be broken down maybe into five pieces. Control, transition to setup, setup, transition to attack, and then attack where all, all bases are covered.
0: All right, so you have your five tips now. Do you want to maybe start? Should we start a beef with Gracie Baja? Say that their three tips are garbage. Is that, is no. that what you're proposing?
1: No, no. I think um, I think they meant to explain it that way. <laughs> but if they're trying to keep it one on one, I think it's easier to say three and say control, sit up, submit because it's easier. It's more marketable, um, and and anybody can learn a three step idea so i i don't know that they're wrong i just know that, i just don't think that was well explained and
0: well it, and in to their it, it was it was just an article about like hey here are a few tips for for out so like you're not going to get into like right. super in-depth stuff right so and i don't I know also, why you're co-
1: i also God. didn't read said article i mean to me you could be making all this up
0: <laughs> i could be yeah but yeah. <laughs> but if I'm doing that, then I would have to have a decent understanding of Mount, which which I I clearly don't. So so that oh, oh, yeah.
1: I would hope you do, considering you're supposed to be destined for your purple belt. <laughs> you know, a few months yeah. ago.
0: you know, I was thinking there are there are a couple different versions, or there 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 they're probably. Two types, at least in like the earlier stages of uh, mount, people who will play mount. And you've got like campers and you have hunters. You got like the campers who just hang out there and like are like ne- like always afraid to leave their own little campsite. And then you got hunters who are like, I can't stay here. Like I got to find something. Like you're always out on the prowl. I think we both know what which field I fall into on that one. That's uh, I, I'm a camper.
1: Yeah, are you talking about your mount game or you're uh, not testing to purple belt?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mastery. Uh, (laughs) The the mount game, yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I mean,
0: I I guess you could say it it does kind of apply to the purple belt testing thing. But but yeah, like when I look at people who who play mount, you you have people who get there and they're like, I got to do something and they're frantic. Or you have someone who gets to mount like me, as we've discussed before, and like, okay, I'm just gonna stay here, and uh, if if the absolutely perfect opportunity arises, then I'll go for something else. Yeah,
1: I guess so. I, I, I like people to be more of a of a you know chaser, <laughs> hunter. However yeah, but.
0: Or you'd want something like kind of in between, like you, you're comfortable in mount and then you're just like, all, while you're comfortable there, you're you're constantly scanning and you're ready to like hop and pull the trigger when you have to.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it, 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 this will come as a surprise, but I'm not perfect at jujitsu. I know I know that that's the expectation and people think that I am, uh, but yeah. but I'm not. Perfect. I'm close, but not, not, not yet. Give me a, give me a couple more months of not training. (laughs) Uh, well, you know, this episode, what we can bring this to a wrap. I know you have a private coming up here soon. I, I think we kept Hawk stories to a minimum and they're going to be success. (laughs) There are going to be some people out there who are happy. Uh, there are going to be some people out there who are probably mad. They're wondering where that story went, but we'll leave that for another day.
1: Yeah. That was like a really good way to overcompensate for the luck of jujitsu on the last one.
0: Exactly. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to even <laughs> it out. So I think, I think we're contractually obligated to, uh, li- at least talk about 70 to 75% jujitsu on our podcast.
1: All right. That sounds like a plan,
0: <laughs> which means in, and maybe in two episodes, we're going to be back to some real, real dumb stuff.
1: Hey, uh, for you listeners out there, make note. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, skip t- just skip this uh, the episode that comes out in two weeks. Well, Croiler, thank you for enlightening us today. I hope you have a fantastic day. And this better be the last time we record at 6.30 in the morning, okay? If anyone's <laughs> listening and they're like, you guys... Sometimes I have someone once say You guys sounded sleepy I'm like yeah It's early And if we sounded sleepy This episode It's because Croiler said Can we record at 6.30 This morning
1: I, I've been up for a while I'm okay
0: It's fucking Saturday Who wants to be up at 6.30 In the morning I, I don't know Alright well Well have a good rest of your day And everyone We will see you too. next
1: week